Today's episode of Necronomapod is brought to you by Beardology. There are a lot of imitators out there, but there's only one place I buy my beard oil. Beardology beard oil nourishes your skin and won't leave you with that greasy feel. With over 17 cents available in their extensive product line, I trust my beard to Beardology. You can find Beardology at beardology.co. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your purchase. Beardology, discover the best way to avoid the shave. From 1979 to 2004, BTK went silent. Not the media, nor the police, nor the FBI received any form of communication from Dennis Rader. And yet, the killings didn't stop. It wasn't until a lawyer from Wichita decided to write a book on the BTK case that Rader finally decided to break his silence. He wasn't about to let someone else dictate the legend of BTK. Rader once again submitted letters and pictures to the police, confirming he was still on the prowl. This would ultimately lead to his downfall. Today, we conclude the BTK story. We'll also discuss a punishment that Ian believes is far worse than death penalty. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought that Dennis Rader in part one was a piece of shit, stick around. This insufferable prick only gets worse. Fuck you, Dennis. This is Necronomapod. He actually uh, sent some Xerox pictures of one of the women he brutalized and murdered, almost like they were crime scene photographs, and a Xerox of her license. That was, that was one woman. Nancy Fox, um, a woman that was murdered in Wichita, he actually sent her driver's license after 30 years, so there's almost no doubt in, the, in law enforcement's mind and in mine that this low-life coward, that this, it, that this is him, coming out after 30 years and saying, I'm not as famous as Ted Bundy. I'm not as famous as the Hillside Strangler. I want my 15 minutes of shame, 15 minutes of infamy. And he is absolutely torturing this community and absolutely breaking the hearts of the victim's family. All right, so we're about a week into this thing now. And uh, here's a quick update on where we're at with the uh, voting tallies for what TV show I'm going to binge. In the lead, Breaking Bad, five votes. We haven't got a whole lot of votes, so people <laughs> set the fuck up. Not a lot of fan interaction on no, this one? No, no. They're really shit in the bed. Five votes for Breaking Bad. In second place, Dexter with three votes. In, oh, I'm sorry, tied for second place now. Stranger Things also has three votes. It's a good one. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and in fourth place, Game of Thrones with two votes. And then we have quite a few other shows with one vote, but those right now are not relevant because they're not in the top four. Breaking Bad with five, Dexter with three, Stranger Things with three, and Game of Thrones with two. A few other shows have one vote. Tell me what I should watch, people. Well, I he, will he honor I have this. not voted yet. So. You guys have not? Yeah. You want to give an official vote now or you want to wait? I'll wait. Okay. I'll give my vote. I did want you to have to watch 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> but that didn't catch we on, We do have one vote for Grey's Anatomy. So I'm going to cast my vote for Game of Thrones, which the greatest show ever that now puts it in a three way tie for second. Still two votes behind Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad's good. It's a close second in my book. I'm pretty confident I would love Breaking Bad. It's just the time commitment and like the emotional investment into like a whole new TV show that is uh, a bit of a turnoff for me. But I I know as soon as I if I dove into that, I'd like it. But we'll let the listeners pick. It's all about them. You're going to be fucked if it's Game of Thrones. There's so many different names. All kind of shit in that. Throne and lands. You'll need a map and a, and a family tree chart. <laughs> and I'll have to buy HBO Go just to watch that shit. 
No, I have them all. I have them all in Blu-ray up there. Kayfabe that, man. Come oh, okay. on, now. They're going to shut you down. He's going to have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then in uh, in relates, or regards to uh, my headshot photo from uh, Dennis Rader last week, <laughs> looks like the uh, thong gray photo is clearly in the lead. So it looks like you guys might be big, digging a grave for me out in the backyard. <laughs> I can't wait for that. <laughs> I'm going to dress in drag and put on a thong and lay in the grave. Are you going to sell signed copies of uh, autographed copies <laughs> uh, of that? If I'm doing this, I'm, going I'm, to. Sure as, <laughs> I'm sure as fuck going to make some money off that. <laughs> I'm going to be posing that way. What did you text me earlier today, Dave? Like, look, you're going you're gonna to have a couple long months of dressing in drag and watching Game of Thrones after these votes <laughs> <did>. are done. <laughs> We'll have to find a creepy-ass mask, too, to match the one he wore. There has not been that many votes for that one, though. I think most people are like, fuck this, we don't want to see Oh, that's Mike. my vote for sure. <laughs> Dude, 100%. We'll, fucking, we'll go to fucking take one of these bondage photos, and I'll somehow accidentally hang myself, and I'll die. <laughs> I'll fucking die taking a bondage photo of myself. And then, the, oh, how'd he die? Oh, bondage photo. Classic story. <laughs> He's dead. Non-erotic asphyxiation. (laughs) He was fucking limp as a wet noodle. He wasn't even into this shit at all. The fans voted for it. Man gave his life for the show. It was literally Necronomapod. And that's about all the fun we're going to have on today's episode. Yeah, we're going to jump right back into uh, Dennis Rader. Where we left off last week, he had um, attempted to uh, have... Anna Williams be his his next victim and if we remember she her friends talked her into coming back to the car and go over one of their house for a drink and BTK part one available in the archives yep (laughs) and she uh and then she got the letter and the poem and the mail and the drawings of what he was going to do to her she got the fuck out of town the next day yep she gave it to the police and moved out left all her shit behind too so with this, the police were just like at a complete loss for everything. They, I mean, they didn't have any leads. So the Wichita police reached out to the FBI Behavioral Science Unit for help. So we're going to get into the profile that they came up with. Do we know who wrote it? Is it our friends from Mindhunter? I'm not 100% sure if okay. they were. They probably didn't sign their name to everything, right? No. Yeah. Okay. And in all fairness, they get they get glorified a little bit. They're, you know. They weren't the only ones in that shop. Yeah. yeah. So it's a bit wordy. We're going to get through this, much like the letters that we read. Uh, what was that last week? Well, at least this is coherent. Right. <laughs> well, we'll see if I make it coherent. <laughs> the attached analysis is only as good as the information provided. In addition, it may be necessary to totally change or modify this analysis if new information is developed, such as additional victims, more forensic evidence, and more information obtained from research. The murders of the offender, known to the public only as BTK, are the result of a fantasy acted out. A fantasy where for the first time in his life, he is in a position of dominance. He is an inadequate type, who through his crimes has placed himself in a position of importance. The BTK strangler is now a somebody, receiving the recognition he feels is long overdue. He is not very original in his crimes. He has patterned himself after other killers, such as the son of Sam in New York City. Most of the verbiage used by the offender in in his letters probably comes out of recent publications in detectives' magazines. The subject is alienated, lonely, and withdrawn. He would not be expected to have any lasting relationships with others and would lead solitary existence dominated by fantasy and magical thinking. 
His killing is an attempt on his part to find affection and acceptance. He fears everyone, including himself. He would not be expected to have any normal relations with women and probably has never had a normal heterosexual relationship with one. When he is not killing, he experiences intense feelings that he is not normal. Therefore, he kills to cope with this disorder in an attempt to escape within his own fantasies. Thus, he can be expected to kill again and to do so in a compulsive repetition pattern that he has already established. His victims can either be male or female who are both loved and outgoing. His victims will be in a position of vulnerability where he can totally render them helpless. His victims represent his own feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. A uh, quick side note here. They're essentially saying he's an awkward, lonely, virgin piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Furthermore. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Furthermore, his own life has been disrupted. He probably comes from a background where his family was broken. He was raised by an overbearing mother who was inconsistent in her discipline and his father was absent either because of marital separation or death. This would have occurred when he was a youth. Your subject may have been raised by foster parents. Your subject was an average student in the classroom. However, he was more adept to disrupting the class by using profanity and pranks. His language and statements make us believe that he has some military experience or is a police buff. He probably has had run-ins with the police in the past, such as assault and or breaking and entering. During these break-ins, items taken will be items of insignificance. These items would have been taken because of a fetish or to feed a strong urge to take an article of clothing or an item he is fond of or of the satisfaction of committing a crime that will leave little evidence for investigators. BTK may have a history of voyeuristic activity and he may have an arrest record for these types of offenses. He hunts his victims by selecting neighborhoods where he can pursue different houses without being detected. Furthermore, his victims will live in an area where, if need be, he can have an easy escape route, such as a neighborhood park where he can hide to elude police. His killings are impulsively motivated without elaborate planning. He seeks out victims of opportunity. Such individuals of this type suffer from insomnia and thus find it difficult to hold steady employment. Control of himself and of his environment is essential to such a person. Although he is gaining in confidence, he's still shy, withdrawn, and isolated. As a counter-strategy technique, your department must not make any statements concerning the killer's mental condition. Do not allow the media to label him some kind of psychotic killer. If they have already done so, your best strategy will be to align yourself with the killer and not the psychiatric experts. Any press releases should clearly state that he is a killer that must be apprehended and that he is not a psychotic animal. This approach may reduce the killer's anxiety and reinforce his own guilt feelings thus removing any psychiatric excuses for his acts and leaving him responsible for his murders. Extended periods between his murders may be for reasons when he was absent from the area, either as a result of military service, schooling, incarceration, or mental treatment. It is not uncommon for subjects such as yours to frequent police hangouts in an attempt to overhear officers discussing the case. Such offenders may be at the crime scene observing detectives investigating the case. All of this allows the murderer to fulfill his ego and gain a feeling of superiority. He may go so far as to telephonically contact your department and provide details specific to his crimes. Your advantage in this case, in his very strong self-centered attitude, will be his downfall. He will provide information to a friend or acquaintance at a local tavern concerning information he knows about the case. He may even pretend to be an officer working the case. He may carry a fake badge on his person. If so, he may use this to gain entry into the victim's homes. BTK will continue to kill until he is caught or killed. 
My mouth is fucking dry. <laughs> nice read, buddy. Wow. Impressive. Ian will so. clean that all up for everyone, so it'll sound like a perfect read. <laughs> fucking nailed it. <laughs> so kind of a mixed bag there. Yeah, I, they were they're wrong about the. I think the character it, background was all wrong. Yeah, I mean it's typical of what most of these guys are. But some of those things, like, and I don't mean to jump, they got perfectly right. Yeah. Taking insignificant items from homes. Yeah. yeah. Like we talked about that last week. Just the little fucking things he'd take just for like the fetish purpose of it. But like he didn't come from like an overly disciplined family. His right. dad was there. His mom wasn't like the the one disciplining him right. inconsistently. They got a, it almost sounded like like this is like almost Ed Kemper-ish, right? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it sounds like Ed Kemper. Yeah. So the, the, like the background profile was not really correct, but kind of the MO and the activities... They got spot on a, right. lot, a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. So just what, just what to look for, they got exactly right. Yeah. Where he came from, they were way off. So I think it just goes to show that they're, you know, it's not always the same type of person that commits these activities. You can't really pigeonhole because this guy grew up in a, you know, pretty normal background and still committed these same acts. Yeah. Like Ed Kemper, who grew up in a fucked up home. His background throws a wrench in it because it's like, are you born with this? Mm-hmm. Nature or... nurture. Yeah interesting i think it just proves that the mcdonald's triad is a no-go right <laughs> the only mcdonald's triad you need is a double cheeseburger a 10-piece nugget and a medium fry yeah and we're back to the fast food <laughs> call it the mike's mcdonald triad <laughs> i bring up fast food in every episode at this point it's my gimmick i think I, I guess it's helpful in that if he they were looking for the wrong person based on the profile right like a loner who had no relationships, who was, you know, by himself in some shed somewhere. Mm. But no, he was a family man who had a regular job. So just none of it fit. That right. was it didn't point them in the right direction. The the only current thing they gave out that I think would throw cops off was that you wouldn't expect him to be a family man. And he was. Right. Right. Other than that, if you're a police officer, you're not really gonna look at the background first. You're gonna look for all the small acts probably first that you would notice right away. Mm -hmm. And they got that part right. Yeah. You know, that he was, you know, socially awkward, that he was stealing these things, that he liked Mm -hmm. that position of power, that he might be bragging to, to some, some people about what he knew or contacting the police. He didn't want to be known as a psychotic killer. I feel like police will probably look at that stuff first when they're looking at these crimes. And then after the fact, look at the background history. So I feel like in my opinion, they got the important part, right? And maybe yeah, not the background didn't that. add You're up, right. yeah. but what cops are going to look for first, I think they got that part right, in my opinion. I think the only thing that they got wrong that didn't have to do with his background that they got way wrong was him not being able to be employed or hold steady employment. Well, that plus his family background. Right. Plus, that's what I mean. It just paints a picture of somebody else, I, I think. The background yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that, you know, he's got a wife and kids. And they're saying this guy never had a heterosexual relationship. Yeah, like they're not looking for a married family man based on that profile. Yeah. And there's a little bit or of a, proof. A, a, you know, we'll get into it, but like a church going guy who's rising the ranks in, in his church. Oh, that I would absolutely look no. for in a no. psychopath. No, no. That fits 100%. No. Continuing. <laughs> there's a little bit of evidence with the not being able to have a relationship with a woman because he was always, he was never successful with sex workers. Well, no, I you get know what that, I mean? but you wouldn't then look at a married man with two kids who's been in this relationship for how long? Right. Like you would immediately think, oh, that's not this guy. Yeah. So on the surface, it may not be correct, but there's portions of it that, yeah, are accurate. 
they got the pro they got this profile and then after he left that poem for for Anna Williams and that was the last time that he was heard of until 2004 after this after that poem that was what 79 that's the last time he communicated with the the media until 2004 god damn cuz maybe he came to his senses and like you know what am i doing here why am i risking it getting caught Oh, I thought you meant came to his senses and stopped murdering. I was like, no. Oh, I suspect that didn't. You're you. way <laughs> off. We wouldn't have had a part two. Yeah. yeah, I don't get these guys. I got to call and taunt the police. Just the ego. So many of them, yeah, could just get away scot-free if they would just shut their fucking mouth. Damn, I get off on that. I guess those are the ones that we never hear of, those 25 to 50 serial killers operating right now who don't do things like that. Don't They'll never else. be caught. That's yeah. why I don't contact the police. <laughs> Fuckers never know. I play it off like I don't know shit about serial killers. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Wouldn't that be amazing if Mike was a serial killer? Can you imagine? Like the biggest kill count in history. You guys end up doing an episode about me. What if we? What if it was before I was found and we did the episode on me? And then you turn wh- yourself in? Like while I'm here doing it. Like with the show with you guys. And then I end the show with my confession. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Oh, that'd be like a season finale, I think. Yeah, that would be a wild ass season. And then it'd be like the, it'd be like the office where like the whole build up to the next start of the next season is you guys who's gonna like replace me as like the new person? Because obviously I'm in jail. It's <laughs> so like who's gonna be like the new manager of Dunder Mifflin? Who's gonna be the new person that sits in here with you guys? <laughs> Just saying. Whoever that is gonna be rich because that podcast's gonna go through the roof. Yeah, that wouldn't that. <laughs> Maybe I'll do like some of those people do where like they make a confessional and they shoot themselves in the head. You guys ever see that fucking those crazy ass videos? Yeah. Maybe we'll just do that. You're just like shoot Ian, yourself Ian, in Ian, Ian, hold my phone and record it. And you're like, why the fuck are you having me do this? Boom. The so guy that, from Pennsylvania. Okay, that, that got uh, dark. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. What's that guy's name? I don't know his name. They I showed it on the news. Yeah. I remember watching Someone it. put it in his mouth. Yeah. The guy that uh, oh, Hey Man, yeah. Nice Shot, the song was about. <laughs> I didn't know there was really a song was. about it from Filter. You know Filter. I know Filter. I didn't know that song. There was a woman that did it back in the seventies too. On on the news. Yeah, seventies yeah. or eighties. Yeah. Fuck was that guy's name? I remember that. <laughs> I watched it because the news. Pretty sure our numbers it. would blow up. It's like uh, R. Lee, not R. Lee Army, but it's like something, something like that. Yeah. Well, this unfortunate <laughs> <a> turn. <laughs> I didn't think we can get Arba Dwyer. That was the guy's name. All right. Yeah, I remember I was a little kid and the, the news showed the clip unedited on TV. It was awesome. <laughs> Why the fuck would they show that? They showed it at 11 o'clock news unedited. Showed them put Even one in his now, head. you have to search to find that shit. Yeah. Oh, they showed one channel in town showed it. They got a lot of flack for it. Was it, was it Fox 8? It was uh, Channel 5. Oh, I would not expect that. Yeah. Boom. Okay. Hit paper bag, took the gun out of the yeah. bag. That was, yeah. It's horrifying to watch. Horrifying yeah. to see that. It's not great. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Thanks for bringing the show down, Mike. <laughs> yeah, because that's the only thing that's going to bring the show down. <laughs> Even though he went quiet, he continued to search for victims, um, and he became more active in his church, and he also became a Cub Scout leader when his son was old enough. Oh, church elder Cub Scout leader, you say? <laughs> It's weird. Be nice. By 1985, it had been a number of years since his last murder. Now he was 40 years old. His son was nine years old and his daughter was six. However, in 1985, 
his fantasies again hit a boiling point like they did that one that one murder where he just kind of threw the plans out the window and just just had to do it yeah so Dennis started watching 53 year old Marine Hedge she was a widowed neighbor of Dennis's that lived on the same street the same street yeah you don't shit where you eat Dennis God. Shit where you eat? Shit where you live? What's the shit where you eat? Right? Shit where you eat. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you frowned when I said that. <laughs> no. <laughs> On April 27th, 1985, Dennis was attending a Boy Scout camping trip just outside of Wichita. He left camp that evening pretending to have a headache and saying that he needed to go to the store and get something for it. He then arrived at a bowling alley in Wichita and grabbed a beer he swished the beer around in his mouth and purposely spilled it on himself to give him the smell like he had been drinking. And then he called a cab and asked the driver to drop him off a little bit before his house so he could try and walk off being drunk. <laughs> this like, fucking guy. That's a bit excessive. He's that's kind of odd. Covering all the bases here. I bet his but, drunk act was so fucking bad, this clown yeah, trying to pretend he's drunk. Right. <laughs> what a dick. Like, it's just, why not just say, my car broke down in a cab? Like, I don't understand the point of faking a drunkenness. Maybe he thought he looked suspicious in some way. I I don't know. I don't think taking a cab is suspicious, though. Like, I don't see a cab. I'm like, what the? Well, now I do. Because it's like, dude, fucking Uber or Lyft. Like, why the fuck are you taking a cab? True. But back in the day, like, taking a cab, like, I don't think anyone would think anything of that. I'm just nitpicking. Yeah, no, about, I don't. Uh, maybe it just makes you forgettable to the cab driver. You're just another drunk. Yeah. Driving you home. Maybe so. Oh, he's at the bowling alley all night with his buds. Yeah. And, that's true. Because if he says something crazy happened to his car or something, it might stick out yeah. in the guy's mind. Like, oh, yeah, yeah that's the guy that had a whatever. I want to watch Big Lebowski. <laughs> so Dennis made his way into Marine's backyard, cut the phone line, and broke in through the back door using a screwdriver. A Phillips or a flathead? I don't know. I don't know. Probably what... flathead, huh? All right. Sorry. Go on. Probably. <laughs> As it turned out, Maureen was, wasn't home, so Dennis hid in the closet and waited for her. She returned home with a friend named Gerald Porter, and he didn't leave the home until 1 a.m. So for hours, Dennis just quietly hid in the closet waiting for her friend to leave and for her to fall asleep. How can you do that? That's scary as fuck to think that somebody's just yeah. chilling in your closet for hours. Were they having sex while he was waiting? I don't know. Hmm. I thought the same thing while reading this. Like, I wonder mm. what they were doing. If they were just hanging out. I mean, who knows? It's creepy as yeah, fuck. Yeah, it's frightening. So once she was asleep, Dennis quietly exited the closet, turned on the bathroom light, and strangled Marine to death. Um, and she had no idea it was coming. Dennis, using the bedding from her bed, dragged her body to the car to her car and put her in the trunk. He then drove directly to his church, where he had <laughs> keys to enter. This is a very elaborate operation he's running tonight yeah like how long well, a lot of his he... earlier ones weren't well thought out i feel right. like this one he like over did it well he had sat and thought about this for years at this point but that's it's your best true. option is to leave the boy scouts like how long has he been gone at this point i mean i get the <laughs> alibi <laughs> but they're gonna hours? be like no he was gone for 10 hours getting aspirin <laughs> it doesn't add up uh yeah. gerald porter didn't leave the home till 1 a.m yeah how long has he been gone from boy scout camp you would, I mean, I would imagine he left when everyone was still awake, right? Yeah, you would think. Yeah, he's probably been gone for at least six hours or more. So once he had to, to go get, get fucking Advil, right? Six in the morning. Oh yeah, I had to drive her all over town. Yeah. To Walgreens was sold out. Yeah. Had to go to CVS. They were out. Had to go to drugs. Wacky. Yeah. 
I mean, he probably had this plan thought out in his head, but it sounded like he was just at this Boy Scout camp and was like, I need to do it now. Yeah. This is my chance. I'm... Can you imagine what's going on in your head? Nope. Do you, do you ever do that serial killer, Mike? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm very meticulous. You guys think I take piss breaks and that's why we stop here? No, I go fucking kill people. I'll be right, right back. Don't even know. So once he got to the church, he pulled Maureen's body out of the trunk and hid her under some trees while he went inside the church. He went to the basement and taped some black uh, plastic bags to the window so no one could see inside. Dennis then took her body into the basement and photographed her corpse in different positions. What the fuck? Yeah, he was going on. This is what I picture going on in every church basement every day. (laughs) 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 So, Ian, what kind of positions was he putting her body in? Like, that's kind of new for him, no? Yeah, I would assume sexual positions. Or like on a cross, like religious stuff? Or like, yeah, because like bondage-esque. You, you know, you strap someone to a cross or something like he was in a bondage. He's not yeah. into like, you know, putting him in sexual positions, was he? Yeah, I would. Assume, well, if you look at his, some of his drawings are all. But they're all bu- they're yeah. bound and gagged. And, you know, right. I wonder if he's doing that to them. It was getting late. So he put her put her body in the back of. Oh, he's on a clock her. now. <laughs> he put it back in the uh, trunk and drove her to a location to dump the body. He used some brush to cover her body and left a pair of tied pantyhose next to her. Jeez, the amount of effort that he's injecting into this situation yeah, is crazy. Well, he so that he drove her car back, got in his car, and then drove back to the Boy Scout camp like nothing happened. Um, he was never linked to this crime until years later when he was caught, and he still had all these photos in his possession. Because he, he had built his son... Um, a treehouse as his son got older and, and didn't go up there that's where he kept all this shit and would go up there and hang out in this treehouse with all his also risky no yeah well neighbors yeah. said they would see him go up oh in this treehouse like what did he get out of dragging it to the church like why what what could a safe he... space to take his photos i guess but like he had a safe no... space at her house no one was gonna come yeah. there in the middle of the night like the risk involved in transporting a dead body and dragging it into a church basement. Well, I guess it's the risk of transporting it or staying in her house when he doesn't know what's going to happen there as opposed to taking it to a church that he you know, has control over. I, I guess, but he sat there for hours in the closet, didn't seem to think it was a problem. I just, I think we're trying to rationalize an irrational situation here. <laughs> no, I, I just, I'm just curious what you get from that extra step of posing it in your church basement. I guess it's an extra thrill, right? Maybe. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm the church elder. Look what I'm doing down here. Yeah. You're sitting in church Sunday. And he's thinking about thinking that. Thinking about it. Yeah. 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 Maybe so. Should have been thinking about Jesus. No, he's thinking about <laughs> the dead person in the basement, wow. what he did down there. They rarely do. So in September of uh, 1986, Dennis started stalking 28-year-old Vicki Wedgerly. Sometime after 10 p.m. on September 16th, Dennis showed up at her house dressed like a telephone repairman. Vicky let him into the house to check the phone line. Um, after messing around with the phone, Dennis turned around and at gunpoint uh, told her that he intended to tie her up. He directed her to the bedroom and attempted to tie her up, but Vicky fought back and she scratched Dennis in the process. He eventually was able to overcome her, get her tied, and strangle her to death with pantyhose. He photographed her body in a couple different positions and then left the scene in her car. 
Before killing her, she had warned him that her husband would be home soon, and Dennis said later on that he would have killed her husband if he would have showed up. Maybe he would have killed him. Yeah. Maybe. Tough Big guy. talk for a guy who's already in custody. Yeah. When Bill Wedgerly returned home, he found his two-year-old son unattended in the living room, and for a brief time, he couldn't find Vicky. When he found her, um, she was rushed to the hospital, was, but was pronounced dead on arrival. Can you imagine coming home and finding someone like that? Your yeah. wife? God damn. I mean, no. Your kid's just wandering around. Right. And you're like, yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. I wonder why, I mean, I'm glad he didn't, but I wonder why he didn't do anything to the kid. Because didn't in other situations, he intended to kill the kids, right? Unless he didn't know that kid was there. Yeah. And the kid woke kid up and came out. Yeah. It's true. So while this was going on, Dennis drove around Wichita disposing of evidence. Then he parked the Wedgerly's car a couple blocks from their house. And then on foot, walked to his car Changed his clothes and, again, was never suspected of the crime. Man. But, man, this Bill's this Bill Wedgerly's guy, his life just took a major turn with this whole thing because the police hadn't heard from BTK in eight years. So this was, I mean, there's new detectives on this that BTK is like a, probably like a myth to them. You right. know, it's, it's a cold case. The guy's who knows where he went. Mm-hmm. And so Bill became the number one suspect. He was never charged with the with the murder of his wife, but he was suspected of it for 18 years until BTK was caught. That's, that's rough. Yeah. Was this in his neighborhood again, too? It, it's he was all, in a small area, right? Yeah, it's all within the He's same. watching all this and just getting off on it or enjoying it. Like, I don't think you could do this these days. Everyone has, you know, the ring like we talked about next week. Like, somebody would catch him yeah. on video walking around the neighborhood. Yeah. So this but can is, you imagine finding your wife dead and now you're the suspect? Oh, it's going to be maddening, you right? you truly did not do it. And for the the next 20 years of your life, people always suspect it's you. Yeah. I mean, I know that I, from what I was reading, they had like family members of his. Like, because there was literally no suspect other than him. And that's always the first one is. Of course. My first thought always member. goes to, though, like, where the fuck's his alibi? He clearly was doing something else. How can you not prove what you were doing? And I'm sure he obviously couldn't because yeah. he would have. Well, they never charged him. So they he obviously had a decent mm. alibi. But like, even if I was fucking at the bar drinking, I would have went to that bar and be like, can you pull the video and show these motherfuckers that I was here drinking all night long or at Walmart or doing whatever? Like now, but there's no video back then. But was there not video back? Then? I mean, we're talking mid 80s here. There's got to be some surveillance. Some, but not everywhere like today. Yeah. I mean, even a, like go to the bar and be like, the, have the bartender speak for, you know, on your behalf. Yeah, I serve yeah. this guy. On, I don't know. I'm sure he probably did that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just that cloud of suspicion hanging over you. Yeah. I mean, because they like, yeah, they I mean, they never charged him, but it was still like in the back of everybody's mind that knew him. And, and that's, yeah, that's um, this guy lost. Where'd he go from there? Right. Now is looked at like a piece of shit when yeah. he was innocent. At the end of 1987. A triple murder took place in in Wichita. Philip Fager and his two teenage daughters. A contractor was arrested in Florida after leaving the scene in the Fager car and used their credit card. This guy's name was Bill Butterworth, and he was acquitted of the murders, but police believe that he committed the crimes. I read this story. This story is crazy in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, this is like a full episode. <laughs> I'm not convinced that BTK didn't do this. Yeah, this is a wild one. Mr. Butterworth. <laughs> so. But yeah, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. This guy just said he, he happened upon 
the bodies. He was doing some work there, and then he went into a fugue state and just was scared and left and doesn't remember any of it. Yeah, he like freaked out. And yeah, took off. It's yeah, really he, weird. He was acquitted. Yeah, but there was no evidence against him. Yeah, but it's a, that's a very odd one. Yeah, look that case up if you have some spare time. Bill Butterworth. Mr. Butterworth to you, sir. <laughs> so a letter was received by Mrs. Fager in early 88 from Dennis, who said he did not commit these murders, but admired the work of whoever did it. <laughs> this guy is just an insufferable fucking yeah. piece of garbage. Yep. Yeah, it but was- he's like attaching himself to other murders because he just wants to be a part of the spotlight. Yeah. Like, oh, I wasn't a part of that. But I admire this guy. I'm giving him my stamp of approval. Like this arrogant fuck. Yeah, this lady had her family slaughtered and he's going to send her a letter admiring the work of whoever did it. Yeah. Well, it was never confirmed to be a BTK letter until police found um, an original copy among all his shit when he was caught. Jesus. So all this lady knew is this was just some asshole that sent her some letter. You know, she didn't know. Right. In this letter, Dennis also included an illustration of what he thought the crime scene looked like, but his depiction was not accurate. <laughs> what the fuck? Thanks, man. Dennis. <laughs> Appreciate your help, bud. In 1988, Dennis got himself fired from ADT. Uh, the official reason was that he was not getting along with coworkers and not getting his work done on time. And that's a running theme through anybody that's worked with him that's come out and talked or, you know, we'll get into his, his time as a dog catcher here in a, in a little bit, but that he was just a pain in the ass, just like straight up son of a bitch to work with, man. Just you can asshole. tell by looking at the guy. Yeah. 100%. You he's don't just, say. He's that guy. This guy. And you know by looking at him, he's sucked. that guy. You know? That has to follow all the rules and mm-hmm. like super fucking bossy and shit. Fucking rule followers. <laughs> Except the rule about not killing people. Yeah. Well, follow that, that rule. Maybe dude. follow that one, but otherwise, dude, <laughs> fuck you. I'm not going to put headphones in. I'm going to listen to my music at my desk, and you're not going to complain about shit, motherfucker. Well, there's that scene in Mindhunter. Ian's <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm doing that. I was told I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. <laughs> doing my fucking swinger line stapler, and I'm good to go. But there's that scene in Mindhunter where the guy comes up asking him for electrical tape. Remember that scene? And he's like, you got to fill out a form. I can't I can't just <laughs> like give this. Like he's in this. the storage room? Yeah, he's like, I can't just give you this. You have to fill out a form. The guy's like, give me the fucking roll of tape, right? asshole. <laughs> he won't give it yeah. to him. Those are the worst kind of people. I know. Those are the people that do fucking kill families. Clearly. Ugh. Give him the fucking tape. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I can't handle that. There are records of Dennis working for the U.S. Census Bureau for a while. Um, oh, great. So he can knock on every door <laughs> in the whole neighborhood. Great. So how many people you say live in this household? What do you do for a living? Not those, anymore, they don't. Those hours are typically what? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Fucking census takers. And now I'm back to thinking of the Three Stooges when they were census takers. <laughs> One of the greatest episodes. Shorts of all time. Oh, man. Did we just talk about them last week? Was that last week you talked about them? Or a bonus episode? Where I asked Ian if he knew who the Three Stooges were? I think, <laughs> I think it was, it was last, last week, week yeah. yeah. We also talked about them on the Census Bureau one on uh, the Men in Black we, episode when they were going around. Because it's one of my favorite shorts. they were going around as Census yeah. Takers. And that's what I picture. Like, they're just all running around being yeah. fucking ridiculous. They're being fucking Stooges. Other than the Census Bureau thing, he was just working odd jobs until 1991. And and now, at this point, he's 45 years old, and younger women would give him too much of a fight 
and the chance of a man being involved was way too much of a risk for him because well 45 it's not that old yeah but still he's not <laughs> well no but, still a strong and virile man at 45 <laughs> <laughs> I know, so I've heard. I wasn't going to say a damn thing. I wasn't even thinking it, actually. You know what I mean. He but I mean, like at 45, a... you're essentially, you're closer to death than you are birth. <laughs> so at that point, you start thinking about, well, that 20-year-old female could probably kill me, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Well, he's a heart attack. <laughs> He's not a very big guy. I mean, you he's could, a scrawny. You could tell he's never. He's a little dweeb. Yeah, he is a little twat. I can't believe that. You know, he one really, of these victims didn't. You know, incapacitate him somehow. He always caught him off guard, though. Yeah, like yeah. the only thing he was good at was catching him off guard. Yeah, he wouldn't have ever, ever been able to be aggressive and yeah. come in without his gun. He yeah, not much of anything. So with this mindset, Dennis would start stalking sixty-two-year-old uh, Dolores Davis who lived alone about a mile away from Dennis. He cased her house to figure out her schedule and made sure he had a plan for this murder. Again, on a Boy Scout trip, <laughs> he, he made the excuse that he had to go to the store. I need some tampons uh, to run out for a little bit. <laughs> he, he then drove to his parents' house. Who, Nobody fucking called this guy out. Twice now, he's leaving these campouts. Who's watching the kids? I'm sure there's other... Scout people, yeah, whatever they're called, they're multiple st- scout leaders. You would still think like, mm-hmm. like this guy last time left for seven fucking hours at least to go get some Tylenol. Anyways, he's just a boring fucking dude. I think I don't know if I said it on last week or if it was the time that we initially tried to record this episode the first time. When it was just <laughs> I mean, that very, very bad episode that will never see the light of day. Intoxicated the second version. time that happened. <laughs> Oopsies. Put that with Children of God, part one. The intoxicated version of BTK part one. <laughs> we're going to put, we're going to put BTK part one, the unreleased version, Children of God part one, the unreleased version, and Ian and Mike take on Roswell, the unreleased version, <laughs> and we'll release that as a deep cuts one day to five thousand dollar patrons because <laughs> those should never see the light of day no. but he's not like um there's nothing about him that stands out at all like no one suspected ted bundy well his girlfriend suspected him but no one really suspected him but he had i knew that though yeah well i know yeah. i don't even know why yeah I'm i told you that until i asked you right of course <laughs> But he had traits that stuck out about him. Like people would say he's attractive, he's smart. You know, he mm-hmm. had like these things about him that really stuck out. Dennis Rader's just a fucking like nobody. Yeah. Absolutely. What are we talking about like nobody. just straight middle class family man. Yeah. So no one, I don't think anyone, anyone would, would suspect him. They're probably him. glad he's gone. Oh, good. That asshole went up to the store. Maybe What's so. He, That's true. If he's yeah. difficult to work with, right. they're probably just like, yeah, let him fucking go. Yeah. Like, hopefully he doesn't come back. What was his relationship like with his son? Like, is there Everybody any... Everybody said that... that well, like, did his son bitch about him or like... He was just a normal guy. He was a good dad. Yeah. He was just a piece of shit co-worker. Yeah. I wonder if his, like, kid's friends were ever like, your dad's weird. I bet he's the BTK. Your dad's <laughs> the BTK. <laughs> Maybe, Dave. Wouldn't that be Maybe funny? Like, years later, like, holy shit, he was the BTK. <laughs> he really was the BTK. I fucking had sleepovers at that house. Yeah, wouldn't that be weird? Like, 
years later to find out, or like you lived yeah. next door, or you were one of the other the kids on house. that. You were one of those other kids. That, like, yeah, you were at that house, and or you were on that Boy Scout yeah. trip. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, like you were doing uh, camp stories and and s'mores, and uh, good old Dennis was out slaughtering women. Yeah, and gonna come back and sleep in a tent next to you that right. night. Yeah, and take his flashlight and pretend he's a bear outside your tent. <laughs> What is that from? Is that what they do? I don't know. Is that like a? Is that a thing? Is that how you scare kids on camping trips? Yeah, but this is Boy Scouts, Dave. I, I feel know. like they don't do that shit. They teach you how to like tie knots and you know like shake a tree and eat from it or something. No, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they do in the Boy Scouts. I don't know anything about Boy Scouts. I don't either. No, I didn't. Do they Boy don't Scouts. fucking sell cookies like the Girl Scouts do, so they got to get their shit together. I don't know anything about Boy Scouts. I did not do that as a child. Favorite Girl Scout cookie? Go. Uh. Fuck, what are the mint, the mint ones? Thin mints. Yeah. Or the lemon ones. Fine. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> lemon. No. No. All right. Episode's over. Stop. Lemon. Thin mint frozen. Fucking bomb.com. So good. So good. Dave? Samoans. They're really good. I just discovered, though, did you know there's like two different brands of Girl Scout cookies? No. I didn't either till this year. And the other version of the Samoas, 10 times better. How do I know I didn't have the 10 times better version? Because they're not called Samoas. Oh, what are they called? I can't remember the fucking name of them. I will. Are find they them. made in Samoa and they're called Americans? I wish. <laughs> but they're not. It would be easy to remember. <laughs> but there, there were there were some like car, maybe Caramel Delights, like some kind of generic name. Well, it sounds like something you buy at the dollar store and not... Well, they're... Like, what are they? They're they're the exact Samoas. It's the coconut with the caramel and the chocolate, but they taste so much better. And I like the Samoas too. These are better. So the Girl Scouts sell them? Yes. Really? But I, apparently, and I don't know how it works, there's like different brands with different troops, I guess. I did not know that. Also, Thin Mint's mm-hmm. fucking phenomenal. Get out of here with that lemon shit. No one wants to hear that. I like the lemon ones. I don't even think I would ever have tried that. What is it like a lemon wafer or like? I don't know. It's like a. Well, you eat them. I don't. It's the fucking like hard cookie. He's getting fired up now. He's swearing. Now. Own it's a it, lemon. dude. You like lemon cookies. You gotta own that shit. Yeah. Now. It's got like yeah, powdered. Tell- it's got like powdered sugar on it. You're not selling it any better, brother. So it's powdered sugar. So I'm gonna be coughing. Yeah, well, while yeah, tasting you lemon. A, you gotta have a drink with it. It looks like you just did a line after you're done eating. <laughs> have you had Thin Mints frozen though? No. You got you to gotta throw them in the freezer. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Well, that was quite an interlude there. We needed a breakup. <laughs> so also let's note that he's now involving his parents and he's going to their house too. See, Dave brought us right back. So when he was back at his parents' house, he changed out of his scout uniform and walked to Dolores' house. When he got to her house, Dolores was still awake and in bed reading. Dennis waited until he saw the lights go out and broke into her back door using a cinder block. So this wasn't very subtle. Not at all. It obviously woke her up, and she was met with Dennis pointing a gun at her. He gave her the same story as before, that he was a wanted criminal that needed food and money and that he would need to tie her up. There is ev- or There was evidence of a struggle at the crime scene, and it's not known how long he stayed in her, in her house. But he did long enough to draw a picture of her while she was still alive. Which is... What was she doing that whole time? Yeah. He then strangled her with a cord before putting her body in the trunk of her car. 
he left her body in a remote area not far and uh, and hid her body under some trees. Dennis then drove back her car back to her house, wiped it down for fingerprints, and threw her keys up onto the roof of her house. He then went back to his car and moved her body to a more remote location under a bridge and then made his way back to the Boy Scout trip. So it's just a lot of... um, What's with the keys on the roof stuff? That's the second time he's done that. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I don't really get the the point. Yeah, You're going to find them. Like, it's not like you're getting... You're not throwing them in a river where you're never going to get them again. Yeah. Put them on a roof, they're going to find them. Right. It's a strange detail that I don't mm-hmm. understand the purpose of, really. He just doesn't think anything out. Like, it's, other than that one church one, he didn't plan, like, shit. He thinks he's just sly, like, sly, and this is helping to hide whatever he did, but it doesn't make any sense. Unless we're missing something. I, yeah. yeah. But then, like, leaving, like, his cum stains on, you know, panties and stuff, and, like, you know... I used to have a dog named Stains. And I'd tell him to come, Stains. Come. (laughs) Stains. Is this is this real or is this a joke? No. You had a dog named Stains? Yeah. And I come stains. Come stains. (laughs) Okay. No, that's not real, Moyan. Well, I mean, in all fairness, he probably wasn't thinking of DNA wasn't even a thought back then, so. You know yeah, you mean? can blow your load all over town. I can't trace it back you to you. just fire hose that shit. Sorry, science happened, Dennis. <laughs> Fucking asshole. The next night, he snuck out of this the Boy Scout trip again and went back to where he dumped her body. He posed her body and took some photographs. Dennis then dug a grave for Dolores, but before putting her in, he got in the grave, put on a woman's mask, and set his camera up to auto-take pictures of himself in the grave. Oh, And scary. that was one of the ones, the bondage photos we posted this past week. Right. So if you go back to uh, one of our posts earlier this week, we posted a few bondage photos that he had taken of himself. The yeah. grave one is one of them. Right. You can check that out. I think that's the one that listeners have voted for Mike to recreate, correct? Thus far, it is in the lead. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that, personally. I will have to don a thong, women's nightwear, I think, a wig, and a mask. You guys can tie me up and just chuck me in a grave. So we gotta empty. To. The, we got to empty the pond for winter time. We can just throw you in there. Okay. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> Guess it's settled. <laughs> New Mike headshots available this winter. Signed by all three of us. <laughs> It'll just be me in the grave and you guys just standing there with your shovels, like all proud and like just posing. So four months after this murder, Dennis was hired as a compliance and animal control officer. And he gained a reputation for just being a straight up pain in the ass to everybody in the community, writing citations for shit like if the grass exceeded six inches, like just the most minor real piece of shit. Yeah. When I was watching stuff after he got caught, they were I think it was like true TV or crime, whatever the fuck at court TV at the time. Mm. They were like interviewing people and they had one of his neighbors on. And this guy was like, I always told my wife, if he ever knocks on the door, don't even answer and wait for me to get home and I'll handle him. Smart. (laughs) Yeah. Because the guy was just like, he was a straight up piece of shit to deal with. And wow. Yeah. Kind of sounded like, fuck that guy. Knock him out if he ever came knock on my door. It's kind of the attitude this guy had about him. Oh, my grass is too long? How about my uppercut? Dennis goes <laughs> flying out into the grass. Yeah. And he's he, like we say, he's a scrawny piece of shit. If any guy actually had a square up one-on-one chance with him, you'd beat the fuck out of him. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I'm also 
a scrawny piece of shit. <laughs> but I can also recognize another scrawny piece of shit <laughs> and acknowledge when we get the fuck beat out of us. Dennis Rader would have got the fuck beaten out of him had someone actually bowed up and, and, and got a hold of him. You guys could have thumb wrestled maybe to declare a winner. <laughs> I might have been able to take him, I think. But see, Come on, would, BTK. One, like, two, three, four. Mike declares a thumb war. <laughs> like we discussed earlier, though, you got to be a sneaky killer like I am. <laughs> In and out like a fucking ninja. You don't even know. Ninja. There were tons of complaints against him. But the city sided with him, and he was never disciplined for anything. There's only one recorded case of his going to court when a woman contested a $25 fine he had given her for a dog. And Dennis rolled in there with a half-inch thick folder of documents on the case and ended up winning. Motherfucker. He's like a fucking... But in all fairness, like it sounds like he was, he was like following every law to a T. Yeah. So like, like brutally to like, a T. Oh, yeah. Your grass is illegal. Like, it's six inches. Most people would be like, we don't give a fuck. Just, you know, whatever. He's probably like taking fucking photographs of it. Yeah. And and taking that to court. I'll be honest. We could use a Dennis Raider dog control officer in this neighborhood <laughs> to take care of all the dark barking dogs that get left outside all day. Dave, just ask me. It's done. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Very bad. Maybe we could get a BTK furlough and he could get like a 30-day contract as the dog catcher over here. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fucking dog kennel out here. Fucking get him to yell at this guy about his grass. That's what I thought Next you were going with this. Like when you started, I thought you were going that way with it. <laughs> so there was a woman in the area at this time that Dennis became obsessed with. She was single, but when she got a live-in boyfriend, Dennis started harassing them. And he would write them constant tickets for stupid shit, like leaving, leaving their garden hose in the front yard. Yeah, look here. I see your garden hose <laughs> in your yard. That'll be $25 citation. <laughs> he told this woman that uh, he would stop if she broke up with her boyfriend. And when that didn't work, Dennis impounded her dog and had it put to sleep. <laughs> Jesus. God damn. Yeah, and they just they moved out of the area immediately. Now I really want him to come work in our neighborhood. <laughs> that sounds great. It's some peace and quiet over here. <laughs> Leave your husband or I'll kill your dog. <laughs> what a piece of shit, yeah. this guy. So he, he continued to, to just be a straight up piece of shit um, and was getting off on this this tiny bit of authority that he had. Dennis's daughter, Carrie, would leave around this time to attend Kansas State University, and this detail will make sense later on. And then around this time, too, Dennis was elected to his church council board and received the position of vice president on January 1st, 2004. Oh, perfect. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We like to drink beer, a lot of it. After a long night of drinking and talking crime and conspiracies, there's nothing that wakes us up and gets us ready to start the day better than just brew coffee. With a great selection of roast levels to choose from, you're guaranteed to find one that suits your style. Small batch roasted to highlight the unique features of each coffee bean, Just Brew Coffee caters to both casual and hardcore coffee drinkers alike. 
Since 2010, Just Brew Coffee has worked tirelessly to perfect the roasting process and technique, which has resulted in seriously delicious, always flavorful, and never bitter tasting coffee. If you're already drinking JBC, raise your mug. If you're not, raise your standards. Check them out in social media and remember, they roast, you just brew. Check out their new online store at youjustbrew.com and up your coffee game today. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your order of two pounds or more. So to the police, BTK was thought to be dead or possibly in jail. I mean, they hadn't had a confirmed correspondence or anything with him since the Anna Williams. 79. Yeah. And there were those murders in the middle of the 80s, but they didn't even think those were him. No, because he wasn't. He wasn't talking to anybody or, or doing anything. They're like, this guy loves to call us when he kills people. Yeah. But a local lawyer named Robert Beattie thought BTK could still be out there. And with the case fading into almost like a local legend, he decided to write a book about the murders. Big mistake. Yeah. Well, actually, probably a good mistake. Yeah, good mistake. So in January 2004 was the 30th anniversary of the first BTK murders, and the Wichita Eagle ran an article talking about the cold cases and announced the planned book that was being written. When Dennis heard news of this book, it it infuriated him to think that someone else would be telling his story. So he just sat and stewed with this idea of someone benefiting from his story. And on March 17, 2004, he he mailed an envelope to the Wichita Eagle from a Bill Thomas Kilman. I get it. (laughs) I don't get it, guys. (laughs) What's the joke? Fucking asshole. Like William? Are you talking to Mike? No, I'm talking about Dennis William Thomas? I don't get it. He couldn't leave it alone. This asshole got away with all this. He's sitting at home 20 years later. Yeah. Couldn't let it go. It's just that thought of someone else yeah. benefiting from this. This guy's writing a book about me. Yeah. So this, but it's, um, it's with all the guys, though. They can't fucking take credit for anyone else telling their story or taking credit for their story. Yeah. Like They have to be in control of that. Most of them, yeah. Yeah. Bundy Anyways. didn't. I mean, he didn't even want to talk well, about it. Well, I know that, it. but I wasn't going to bring him up. <laughs> it's not relevant here. Plus, that was in Arkansas, right? Well... I mean, we could nitpick and talk about everything that happened everywhere, but we're not going to. This isn't the Ted Bundy story tonight. Multiple accounts link him back to multiple states, but that's I'll tell that story when we get there. (laughs) So this uh, this envelope contained three photocopied pictures of Vicky Wedgerly's body that was taken in 1986 as well as a photocopied picture of her missing driver's license. The balls to keep evidence like mm-hmm. that for this long. But that's why he was doing this, right? Like, you keep the evidence, you fucking, yeah. you're jerking off to it, or he's doing whatever oh, yeah. he's doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, notice he couldn't send the originals. He sent photocopies of it. He couldn't give it up, you know, yeah, exactly. give up those. Yeah. Was it up in the treehouse still then? I am, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming, yeah. That's what it sounded like to me, was that it was always up in this treehouse. Yeah. Imagine jerking off back in the day when there wasn't just Pornhub. You just go to one site, and it's all just right there. You had to fucking you gotta go to treehouse. You had to keep all those pictures and put it in your kid's treehouse. God damn! It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's yeah, Dennis's treehouse. <laughs> well, there's a show. There, show. You, I'll binge watch a show right now. Oh, yeah, Dennis's treehouse. <laughs> So he he signed this with a BTK symbol that he had used in the past, which is kind of like the symbol is like a ripoff of the Son of Sam 
symbol, but um, so on May 5th, 2004, Dennis sent another letter to the studios of KAKE-TV in Wichita. Um, so Cake TV? Yep. This letter was a really long coded message and the FBI confirmed it did come from BTK, but the code was nonsensical and couldn't be cracked. It wasn't like uh, the Zodiac, which actually was, was a, a real code. code and it took forever. <laughs> yeah. This was just some nonsense. On June 9th, 2004, Dennis left a package taped to a stop sign. And this contained another letter describing the Otero murders, along with the drawing of 11-year-old Josephine Otero hanging and nude. So he's ramping it up now. Now he's back in the game. Yeah. He's all excited. Can't help himself. Yeah. Um, this sketch was titled, The Sexual Thrill Is My Bill. <sighs> the worst. Yeah. Was that the picture you sent me earlier? Yeah. So that, that was supposed to be an 11-year-old girl. The, you know, Josephine, a terror and that he that's killed. That's why we wouldn't post it. <laughs> Even his sayings are douchey. That's super douchey. Yeah. Um, also included was a chapter document that was like kind of like a biography of BTK. But this was also just nonsensical rambling. And I mean, you could imagine a multiple chapter document typed out like his fucking letters. Yeah. It's just, just stupidity. On July 17th, 2004, a package marked BTK was in a book return at the Wichita Public Libra- Library and it contained the following letter. I have spotted a female that I think lives alone and or is a spotted latchkey kid. Just got to work out the details. I'm much older, not feeble, now, and have to conditions myself carefully. Also, my thinking process is not as sharp as it uses to be. I think fall or winter would be just about right for the hit. Gotta do it this year or next. Time is running out for me. That same package also included a claim that Dennis had lured 19-year-old Jake Allen to some train tracks where he was ran over by a train, but this proved to not be true and jake allen's death was ruled a suicide so i don't even claiming responsibility for random deaths yeah i don't understand why he did that or what that was all about the next package didn't show up until october 22nd 2004 when a ups worker found a strange envelope when picking up packages at a drop box the package contained drawings of women in bondage, a poem titled Death to Landwehr, referencing Ken Landwehr, who had been the lead investigator on the, on the BTK killing since the beginning, and pictures of children with bindings drawn on their bodies and faces, mm. which was like magazine pictures of kids, and he like drew over them. So weird. Yeah. The envelope also contained more of a biography for BTK. And the biography was filled with lies about how he was born in 1939. His father died in a war and his mother dated a railroad detective. Like, just stupid <laughs> shit. I have a better way to throw him off the trail. Shut the fuck up and stop, <laughs> stop writing letters. <laughs> just fucking dumb. The police released this biography to the media to keep BTK happy. Um, and they were following the advice given to them by the FBI. Keep the killer communicating don't of- and don't offend him publicly. and you know, Don't overexcite him into killing more. Just keep communicating with him until he makes a mistake. In a really controversial move, the Wichita Police Department collected DNA samples from 1,300 men in an attempt to, uh, in an attempt to find BTK. So they, like, the cops just all stood out in front of the police station with cups out and guys just came and jerked off into the cops? No. 
Oh. Who were the guys? Just volunteers. Oh, so they volunteer. Like, you can't, yeah, without you, a subpoena, force no, me can't to do okay. it. I mean, it's still very controversial to do that, you know. But, I mean, no criminal's going to show up. Yeah, I don't get that. Well, Why would, I'm going to voluntarily give you my DNA, and now you can link me, even if you're not BTK, to every crime that I might have committed. Like, I don't. Yeah. Why would you volunteer? Also, just go to the sperm bank. They're going to fucking pay you for that shit. That's not how you get DNA. You swab your mouth. But you still give your sperm. Well, yeah, but <laughs> just swab your mouth and it's <laughs> yeah. over and done with. What are you talking about? You're leading me down the wrong path. I'm thinking they're jerking off into cups. No, they Am just, I wrong here? They swab yes, your cheek. they just swab your mouth. I went along with your nonsense. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking they're Son jerking of off bitch. into cups. And I like to picture the cops standing on the sidewalk and guys come by and they just jerk off into their cups. I didn't even think about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how they must have done it. That's, that makes no sense. It's just a swab. This I is like 1940. I like my way so much better. <laughs> but this this didn't help out any because Dennis had never been arrested and there would be no reason for his DNA to be in any systems. He didn't come in any cups. <laughs> Just nightgowns. Fuck, saliva can't get you shit. It's all in the cum. That's what As she you said. <laughs> <laughs> so the next package was found on December 14th, 2004. A man walking through a parking lot found a package wrapped in a white plastic, uh, in a white plastic bag leaning against a tree. He decided to take it home and open it up, which, I don't know, with all this going on, probably just shouldn't grab random shit and take it home. But, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, inside was a doll with a plastic bag tied over its head, and the hands of the doll were tied behind its back and the feet tied together. Man. Also tied to the feet was the missing driver license of Nancy Fox, who he killed all the way back in 1977. KAKETV and the police were notified of the package, but didn't make this one public. On January 1st, 2005, Dennis officially became the new president of the church council at the Christ Lutheran Church. Happy New Year. Praise Jesus. Which will make sense in a little bit here. (laughs) Do you think there were any other contenders for that position? There probably was a a good election. I don't know how that works. They they vote. Yeah. I think you come in a cup. (laughs) And then everyone tastes it and they go, this one is the superior come. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> but like, how bad do you feel if you were up for the leader of the church and BTK beat you out for the job? Like, you couldn't beat BTK out for the head of your church. Mm. That's funny to me. <laughs> oh, God. This is not good. On January 8th, 2005, Dennis left a special case cereal box. It was marked, quote, BTK and then, quote, bomb in the back of a pickup truck at a Home Depot. <laughs> Is he trying to get caught at this point? I, it you sure know, seems like it. He's really. But of course, it's a cereal box, you know, because serial killer. He, he's so close. Uh, or also, like, the other guy's still writing the book about him. Maybe he's really trying to push his point, like, I'm driving this narrative, not you. Yeah. And he, so he's just getting more aggressive and sloppy with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so police were able to view surveillance tape from the parking lot. And even though Dennis too blurry to make out, they were able to measure the wheelbase of the vehicle he was driving and determined it was a Jeep Cherokee. Uh Oh, 
Yeah. And they, I have a Grand Cherokee. I better watch out. But not a Jeep, just straight up Jeep. Jeep Cherokee. It's a Grand Cherokee. It's different. Just saying. <laughs> True. Different vehicles. Okay. Well, and they, I, I, I don't have the exact number, but they went through the, like the BMV stuff and they narrowed it down to like how many, there was like a couple thousand of those vehicles registered. So they had a. Yeah, but still that's pretty narrow, right? Yeah. I mean, they yeah. narrowed it down to a couple thousand vehicles. The best lead they've had to date. Yeah. And man, imagine being like that Ken Landwehr guy that's been working on this since the seventies, and like you're watching that tape, you can't see him, but you're like that. I know that that's yeah, him exactly. walking right there. Yep, it's crazy. Um, and then you're probably going to every other business around there, pulling all their security film, seeing what else you can get. Yeah, yeah. The box contained information about people uh, Dennis was stalking, but it also included an a really odd question. Dennis wanted to know if he put his next communications on a floppy disk, if it would be traceable. <laughs> here, here, just a, a pro tip. Don't ever ask the police if something's going to be traceable because <laughs> they're not going to tell you the truth. <laughs> pro tip. Like Ian with this pro tip. It's a good tip, man. It's a good tip. Dave, you got any advice for if you talk to the police? Well, once you're a dumbass and get yourself arrested by doing this kind of nonsense, don't talk to the police until your attorney gets there. That's my advice. Ever. Don't talk to the police until your attorney gets there and don't ever ask them if something is traceable or not. Because they're not going to tell you. They're probably going to tell you it's not traceable (laughs) and then fucking come slam your ass. How to keep your ass out of jail by Dave and Ian. (laughs) Perfect. So he asked police that if it would be untraceable to run an ad in the miscellaneous category of the Wichita Eagle uh, and the classified ad saying, quote, Rex, it will be okay." So if they put that in the paper, it means it's untraceable. It's untraceable. (laughs) And of course, they ran that shit immediately. Oh, they did? That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) So so they ran they ran this ad. And the next package to show up was another cereal box on January 25th, 2005. This box had another doll inside, and this doll was mimicking the death of Josephine Otero. That day, KK... God damn it. Cake TV. Yeah, I'm just going to start saying cake TV. That's too hard. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) They also received a postcard from um, an S. Killet... Skillet, greatest rock band of all time, as voted yeah. by Dave. Skillet, yeah. <laughs> what's that? Do you not know Skillet? No, what's that? They're a rock band. They are. Yeah. He, it was marked as from an S Skillet, and it used the return address of the Otero House. Oh, good God. And then on February third, two thousand five, he sent another letter to KTV, uh, and this one said, "Thank you for your quick response on number seven and eight. Thank you to the news team for their efforts." Sorry about Susan and Jeff's colds. Business issues. Tell WPD that I received newspaper tip for a go. Test run soon. Thanks. P.S. May want to use KTV PC ETC code number and letters from me for my verification code to you. So there's that. Whatever the fuck that says. It's just nonsense. The next and final package would come on February 16th, 2005. Sent to KSAS-TV, which was the local Fox affiliate. It contained a piece of jewelry, a brief letter, and a purple floppy disk. Detectives immediately sent this disk for analysis and found that it had metadata on it from the Christ Lutheran Church. And the metadata for for a deleted document from an admin to the church named Dennis. 
A fucking moron. <laughs> not, not, not the brightest. Hmm, who could it be? <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> Dolt. <laughs> so a quick internet search of the church showed their president to be a Dennis Raider. Detectives drove past his house and saw the Jeep Cherokee parked in the driveway. And so they Dennis was placed under 24 hour 24 hour surveillance while the police put together a subpoena for Dennis's daughter's DNA. Kansas State University had a sample of her DNA for medical treatment she had received while attending. The familial DNA was a match to DNA they found up from the semen at BTK crime scenes, and police knew that they had finally caught him. It's like that 23andMe stuff we talked about last week. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Same thing. Because this is a little different because it had, you know, this was through a college, but now with the 23andMe stuff and like Ancestry, that... You don't even need a subpoena at some point. It's just all going to be out there. States that have the okay to do that. Man, if you killed somebody in the past and got away with it and Mm -hmm. left DNA, eventually you're going to get caught. You hear that, Mike? Uh, I don't leave DNA. (laughs) You you don't have DNA? I I don't leave DNA. First of all, I've never come in a cup. Second of all, I've been doing this for 27 years. They haven't caught me yet. Get the fuck out of here. You've been killing people since you were... Go do the math. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Peter Curtin was drowning kids when he was nine years old. That's true. That motherfucker. So the police... To clarify, I'm not a serial killer. (laughs) We're kidding. I've not ever even been in a fisticuff in my life. (laughs) If I had been, I probably would have lost that fight. Unless it was against fucking Dennis Rader because he's a skinny twat. The police task force was worried that the media would find out about Dennis Rader before they could arrest him because they did have a few leaks in the past regarding his stuff. Mm. The plan was to arrest Dennis, search key places, and secure interviews with family members all at the same time. So Dennis would have no chance of catching when that he was caught. So what they did was organize 215 police officers and agents to to just take this whole thing on. And this is multiple states because he had family members outside of they like tracked down everybody in the country oh, wow. okay. that was related to him. They said, okay, at this time, go. And just, if you have to just push open the door, push open the door and... and Isolate everyone yep, at the same and time. And make sure yep. nobody can talk. This, and I know this is not relevant, but it sounds like straight out of the scene and, and a Goodfellas. Like grab when, everyone at the same time. When they grab time. everyone at the same time, yeah, all at once, and just bring them all in. Yeah. Yep. The so, end. <laughs> Since Dennis was predictable in his schedule, the police knew he left his office at 12.15 p.m. every day to go have lunch at home with his wife. Since they had been tailing him the whole time, they knew it took him exactly three minutes to get home and he would be there at 12.18 p.m. On his way home, an unmarked police car stopped him and he was surrounded with guns drawn on him. Officers dragged him out of his truck, handcuffed him and searched him. And moments later, Ken Landwehr, who had been searching for Dennis for 20 years, 20 plus years, they were finally face to face. And it was like they they recorded it. It's never been released, like the, really? the recording of them meeting. But everything said that they were just real polite with each other, you know. Yeah. Why it, wouldn't you be, I guess? You know, it wasn't like a I got you, you piece of shit thing. Yeah. Was, but that has to man the adrenaline. Has to be crazy seeing that guy. Finally got mm-hmm. him. Yeah. The initial interview of Dennis was conducted by Landwehr and an FBI agent named Bob Morton. 
the thought behind this was having an FBI agent in there would boost Dennis's ego and make him feel important. And Dennis would also respond to Landwehr because he knew him through this whole like cat and mouse kind of game for all these years. So Dennis was interviewed for 32 hours total. Uh, during this time, Landwehr and Morton encouraged him to get some sleep, but Dennis refused. Was Dennis's attorney present during this questioning? I don't believe so. Even if you're the BTK, have your attorney present during <laughs> police questioning. <laughs> About three hours into the investigation, Dennis had been informed that his daughter's DNA was tested and matched his. Then Bob Morton looked at Dennis and said, quote, just say who you are. And Dennis replied, quote, I'm BTK. I'm BTK. After about 12 or 13 hours into the uh, interrogation, when it had really sunk in that he was caught and this was it, he started to tell them everything down to every last detail. And it was almost like they couldn't shut him up. Like he was enjoying yeah. going through all this stuff. I'm sure. Yeah. At some point during the interview, Landwehr put the disc that Dennis that got Dennis caught on the table. And throughout the confession, Dennis would casually just tap on the disc. And at one point while tapping on it, Dennis looked at Landwehr and asked him, quote, why did you lie to me? That's <laughs> great. <laughs> like fucking they owe him something. Yeah. Right. Well, this this question of like being betrayed by Landwehr is interesting because it fit right into the FBI strategy to catch Dennis. Aside from the profile, the FBI recommended that the Wichita police create the persona of like a super cop that would be that would be hunting for Dennis. That way, Dennis would focus his thoughts about the investigation onto one person. So in Dennis's mind, Landwehr would be like a worthy opponent against him, creating this idea of like a back and forth game. The idea was through years of thinking Landwehr is an equal, he would eventually let his guard down because he could trust Landwehr. Smart. And yeah. It worked. Yeah. Because they, they, yeah, I mean, it said they, he would just sit there and tap on it and stare at it for a while. Couldn't and, believe it. Yeah. But that, it's, it's just weird. And he's like, why did you lie to me? Dennis did express concern about how him being caught would affect his family and people at his church. When his wife, son, and daughter were told about his arrest, I mean, they were in total disbelief. They had no idea that he would be capable oh, of doing can you imagine? this. I mean, yeah, that would be absolutely shocking. None of them had any idea. Nope. They're like, oh, is that what we found up in the treehouse? I was wondering <laughs> what that was. <laughs> Did yeah, just no one just went like neighbors noticed him going up there. No one else noticed him going up. I and mean, they just saw him going up there. I don't know if his wife was maybe sleeping, if she was really, really boring. And but I guess even still, wouldn't you question, hey, why the fuck are you going up in your kid's treehouse? They've outgrown that 10 years ago. Unless he was doing it in the middle of the night when she was sleeping. But again, neighbors still noticed. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It's just so weird. that conversation never spread. I don't know. I question a yeah, little bit whether yeah. or not his family knew. Maybe not he was killing, but something was weird. I think we always end up questioning that because it's just so hard to believe. Well, when you're fucking Jerry Brudos and your <clears throat> wife finds a fucking mounted tit. <laughs> yeah, you're going to question. What is this mounted tit, Jer? Jer. So on March 5th, 2005, Dennis's bail was set at $10 million and he was appointed a public defender. On May 3rd, the judge entered a not guilty plea on his behalf because Dennis refused to speak. Did the kids come and visit him or the wife or they just cut him off completely? They were supportive until he confessed Mm. to everything. 
because they just couldn't believe it. They're like, yeah. oh, this is crazy. Must have the wrong guy. Um, yeah. Because on June 27th, 2005, he changed his plea to guilty to save his family the shame of hearing the details of his crime. But that didn't work out because the judge forced Dennis to detail all of his crimes in court in a full confession. So they're God like, no, damn. they're like, no, you're not getting getting off with. Which is on YouTube if you want to watch it. It's, uh, that's something. Yeah. He's real matter of fact and no emotion at all. Just goes through every detail of it. Yep. And it, yeah, and it lasted for 45 minutes. I mean, it's long. And that judge forced him to go through that whole thing. Uh, at Dennis's August 18th sentencing, victims' families gave emotional statements. Dennis did apologize after in like a, a rambling 30-minute statement. It was just he was just it just seemed he seemed really like uh, defeated. Like he wasn't that matter of fact thing. It was yeah. He's mad he could never do it again. Yeah. Uh, he was sentenced to 10 consecutive life sentences with a minimum of 175 years to be served. He has been in solitary confinement every day since 2005 with one hour of exercise per day and is allowed to shower three times per week. And that, I feel like, is way worse than a death penalty. I almost wonder like that they're even allowed to get away with keeping him in solitary confinement that long. Seems pretty cruel. So by solitary confinement, what does that mean? You are in a cell that's probably this little area, not very big. Probably you probably Six cut by this. nine. Yeah. Like like enough for like a bed, like a twin bed. That's it. And then you can have enough to maybe like lay next to it. Yeah. And then a toilet. With a toilet. Your food gets delivered to your room. Through a right. Through the through a thing. You don't even get to come out to even get your food. Three showers per week, which is also torture to me because I take like I three just, a day sometimes. <laughs> three sometimes. a week. I really fucking do. Like, I just like to be clean. Yeah. To feel fresh. God damn. And so clean, clean. And he gets to come outside of that that cell for one hour. A day. A day. So, to, into what? Like, what does that even mean, though? Like, come out of that. Like, into like a 20-foot cell, probably. like, cage? Yeah. Yeah, like, he doesn't like, get to go out in the yard, right? It's just mm-mm. like that fenced-in pen that yeah. does his push-ups or whatever he needs to do. Yeah. That almost seems... Can you read books? Do they give you books? I'm, yeah, I'm sure. But I mean, you're sitting since you'd 2005. Go, you'd, go yeah. you'd go fucking insane. So 14 years, sitting in a little room, looking at the walls. That's almost too much cruelty. I'm, I was surprised that they, were, that they were able to actually get away with that. I mean, I have no I sympathy for this guy, but... who we're talking about. Yeah. But at what point are you, are you torturing a human being that maybe we should be better than doing that to? Well, he'd probably get his ass killed out if they put him in general population. Yeah, probably. Probably real quick. Real quick. I understand that as well. I'm just saying at what point does it become torture as opposed to just like a consequence for his actions? Yeah. I think you could categorize that as torture. I think so. I mean, I, like and maybe, I said. I, and maybe, in, I don't know. I don't have any sympathy for him. No, he's a piece of shit. But yeah, that's worse I'm, than I'm, the death penalty in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. He's got to live every day like this. And he's been hours. doing it for Fucking how long? In 2005. It's not great. No. Uh, certain gentlemen we're going to talk about next week had the same thing with uh, solitary confinement. God damn, we don't ever give week ahead spoilers <laughs> like this. And wow. He went, there's, there's, I don't even know who the fuck we're talking about next week. <laughs> there's documented proof of him going crazy like doctor proof of, of them saying that he was You should nuts. leave it at this and not actually say and let people like... Tickle their taint a little bit. <laughs> Let them think about what this might be. 
So yeah, I don't know. It's uh, that's a brutal punishment. He could have got. He had. He did get away with it. All he had to do was nothing. Brought it all on himself. Yeah. Yeah. When he really? came back in 2004, he made it. He, he was, was. He was clear. long thought to be dead. Yep. But the FBI was right, man. Once he started talking again, keep him talking because he's going to fuck up eventually. Yeah. So his daughter wrote a book recently and was doing a bunch of interviews. Yeah, is the book out yet or is it? I don't know. I guess I thought it was. I thought the book release coincided with the interviews. Oh, okay. I saw a trailer for it, like a Hmm. video trailer. I didn't know if it came out yet or not. Maybe not. I assume it did. I'm interested to hear like what were her thoughts. Like if she didn't know any of this was happening, like what's... I don't know. I didn't watch that. What was that. the? What the oh. <laughs> I'm not I that was like, oh, okay. I was like, so what's like the premise of the book? Like, my dad was a nice guy, and then I was told he was a killer. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's about. So it's not going to add any insight to the story. It's going to add more of an insight to like, here's what a daughter goes through when yeah. you have a normal dad, and then all of a sudden you find out he's murdered. Yeah, I, I think it's um from the thing I watched. It's more along the lines of like her. Just her dealing her with it, yeah. I think that's right. Interesting. But we don't know if it's available yet. Uh, Doesn't matter. She's not fucking paying us. We're not plugging this shit. <laughs> so. Just ch- fucking check Barnes & Noble. It might be there. Google it. I'm sure it's out there. Yeah. Science Dennis Raider. One of my least favorite shows, I'll, I'll tell you that. Two-part favorite show. It's pretty bad. Not great. Yeah, as far as content-wise. I mean, it's, it's interesting stuff. Yeah. But it's like he's just such a scumbag. Yeah, yeah. He's I, he's as, as as bad as it gets. The whole catching him thing is really interesting to me. It's crazy how they went about that whole arresting him thing, where they said, okay, at twelve fifteen p.m., multiple states, you're getting calls and you're gonna go in there. I mean, it was lock everyone down. Yeah. But that's that's the way it should be. Yeah. You don't want to take a chance on anything, I think. Right. Get every fucking witness you can all at the same time. Because we've seen how the like the media messes messed it up before with like was it Richard Ramirez with the shoes he was wearing? Didn't oh, was, yeah, was Diane Diane Feinstein? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they fucking released like they, they they said the shoes and so he yeah. changed his shoes yeah. and you can't find him. Throwing those shoes out. You can't up. take Thanks. a chance. You can't take a chance of someone finding out that someone's been arrested because who knows how it'll ruin it. You go all in at once. Could you imagine Could, being like a fucking second cousin or something of his and all of a sudden the police are at your door and yeah. they're like... Uh, yeah, I understand. That would be wild. But if they didn't do that, what if something would have happened where they didn't catch him? He probably would have killed himself. And now he's still around to the, today even though. I don't. I think he probably would have killed himself. If like he they he would have known they were getting close, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Strong possibility, yeah. Yeah, he seems like that kind of guy. Yeah, little bitch boy. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ian, you got anything else on BTK? Nope. Dave? No, I'm good. Well, I'm not good. I'm disgusted, but... But you're feeling good. That's all there is to say, and I'm feeling good. That's all that matters. So, again, we are now on also Patreon, patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Um, $5 subscription gets you three bonus episodes a month, a private Discord with us, plus some other perks. A couple quick shout outs to our patrons. Thank you very much to Mackenzie Bemis, Dustin, Matt, McKenna Lloyd, Megan Hicks, Michael K, Michelle S, Mungbean, Nate, Nick B, Olivia, Rosie Dotson, Samantha Noft, Sarah Raymond, Sarah, Spoiled Brat 76, Stephanie Ann, Trevor Heath, Tyler, Wendy Muller, 
and Whitney Delgado. We appreciate your guys' support. I think we're all caught up now on the uh, the patrons. So if you join in the next week, you might be one of the first fucking names we read. So yeah. that's on you to uh, decide. But anyways, patreon.com slash Necronomapod. We appreciate everyone's support who has uh, subscribed to us. It uh, It's really cool. Ian, what other shout outs you got for us tonight? Uh, for iTunes, I have one for Matt Alica and Gargoyle Angel. Thank you guys for the for the reviews and everybody that's been listening, getting us downloads and stuff. We got on the top 200 for a second there today. Yeah. Got bumped off, but it's all right. <laughs> we were there for like an hour, so <laughs> it felt nice. I was happy for a little bit. Good. Yeah. People are listening to this on Sunday, so it was a few days ago yeah. by the time they hear this, but we were there. We were fucking there. Yep. What category was that under? True crime. We fucking made it. It's possible. Keep those review numbers up. We'll make it again. And, and to those of you that like the show, please keep spreading the word. You guys are doing an awesome job. Yeah. Like it, we fucking, we were talking last week, I think. We, when we first released our first episode, we had like 24 downloads and we were fucking coming in our pants about how fucking <laughs> awesome it was. Were we not? Were we not that excited? About how awesome it was to get like 24 downloads. Yeah. We're at like 2,000 an episode now. Yeah, over that now. Yeah. yeah, way over. Yeah, so it's cool. So it helps when 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 the people who enjoy the show spread the word. Yeah, so for sure. we appreciate it. I want people to get our drunk asses up there with uh, Wondery and drunk asses. <laughs> like it. Yeah, get up there with Wondery and all these big companies, <laughs> and then just us up there chilling. Cool next down to media. Them. Not. Cool down media taking over the podcast world. Yep. Fucking wasty faces. Dave, what else you got for us? Uh, from Instagram, Celia Wells. Thank you. All right. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod. Please. <laughs> I about blew it slowed on me. Please hit us up. Let us know uh, what you think of the show. Let us know what show Mike, that's Mike, not Dave. Mike should binge watch. <laughs> He doesn't watch a lot of TV. Let us know what he should binge watch. Right now, the leader is Breaking Bad. Talk about yourself in the third person. <laughs> the Rock says. <laughs> I was just trying to clarify for people who didn't understand. <laughs> Sorry, I've had some. Al- I've had some alcohols tonight. Don't vote for Breaking <laughs> All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>